Welcome to the Life as a Coder podcast series, brought to you by Ozark Institute, an initiative of OncoSpark, a technology-enabled revenue cycle management company, discussing your life as a medical coder, offering tips and advice for coding students and professionals. Join us every Wednesday. Hello, and welcome to the Life as a Coder podcast. My name is Jennifer McNamara, and our goal is to bring you timely industry topics in the field of health information management, as well as tips for work-life balance. If you're a first-time listener, we thank you for listening today. And if you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button or follow us wherever you get your podcasts. I want to thank our sponsors, Ozark Institute, an initiative of OncoSpark. OncoSpark is a technology-enabled revenue cycle management company. They have a unique understanding that you can no longer prioritize and manage your revenue by looking at a singular aspect or single-dimensional data. OncoSpark provides a deep relational understanding through proven experience and subject matter experts that allows them to develop unique strategies with you, your data, and your unique circumstances. Results and relationships matter. That relationship starts with you and your data. We do have a disclaimer, as always, that our podcast is not to be taken as legal professional advice. It's based on my close to 20 years of experience in the coding and billing industry, and my goal is to share with you what I've learned and why I love this industry. Well, we've made it. We're here, Season 5, Episode 1. It's a really important year for the industry, for healthcare, so many changes happened from 2020 to 2021. And we're just so, so excited uh, to bring this new season. It's all about collaboration, having subject matter experts come in and let's just talk about the industry. Let's talk about what's changed, what is on the horizon and how we can be better at our jobs, how we can improve the collection of data, how we can improve the revenue cycle and how we can be better at the business of healthcare. I am very excited. This season, as I mentioned, is all about collaboration. We have high-level experts in our industry with various service lines, and their focus, of course, is on the value of education. Stay tuned as we chat with our very special guest today, Barbara Shaw. Barbara is a subject matter expert in CDI and provider education. She is an industry leader in risk adjustment, and we'll be collaborating this year on a very special project that I am so excited to share with you. Episode one of season five is risk adjustment, data-driven healthcare. Stay tuned. I want to thank our sponsors over at OncoSpark for designing a platform that streamlines and standardizes the authorization process. As we know, the barriers for practices and patients due to prior authorizations are a clinical and a clerical issue. This new tool, Authparency, optimizes staff and resources while decreasing the time that a patient must wait. This platform will seamlessly integrate with your practice management system and your electronic health record, alerting you to expiring authorizations or order changes. Authparency's reports can also be used for internal development as well as payer and pharma accountability. Direct insurance verification and specialty pharmacy hub enrollment are standard modules in the platform too. So jump on over to 
OncoSpark.com. That's www.oncospark.com and look at their technology solutions. We're also going to put the information in our show notes. Schedule your demo for Authparency today and get started with this amazing tool. Well, as I mentioned, I have a very special guest on the show today, Barbara Shaw. Barbara, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for the invitation and the opportunity to collaborate with you. I'm very excited. And I know we collaborated earlier this year at our risk adjustment summit. That was so much fun. And um, of course, you know, being in risk adjustment, it's very complex. It's often misunderstood. And so what we wanted to do here at the Ozark Institute um, is talk a little bit about risk adjustment and how it can help people that are looking to get into the coding area, um, an area of coding that's really valuable and important. We know that risk adjustment ensures that health conditions, health status, chronic conditions, and the demographics of the patients, the beneficiaries, they're accurate. Uh, The documentation is accurate and supported, which we know as coders is really our focus. And it'll be more critical in 2022 as we see more audits taking place. Um, We see a lot of financial capture um, increasing. And we want to, of course, assemble an amazing risk adjustment program to assist uh, practices and coders in their journey. And our subject matter experts that we're going to collaborate with, as of course you is involved in this, um, we're going to see how that and data can allow us to offer a comprehensive program. But I wanna dig in, I wanna learn a little bit more about you, Barbara. So I wanna learn more about your backgrounds. How long have you been in healthcare? I have been in healthcare for over 20 years. That is awesome. You know, you have such a wealth of knowledge and so much to offer those that are new to the industry that can help them grow. Um, How long have you been involved with risk adjustment? For seven years. Seven years. So you've learned a lot in those years, I'm sure. Um, And you've seen an impact in this uh, methodology and the, the payment models. What impact has risk adjustment had since it began that you can see or even since you've started? I would say the impact is the growth itself, you know, from we know the most popular payment model is the Medicare Advantage plan to the HHS model to specialize in subspecialties. It's just the growth is just phenomenal. That's what I've seen, too. And of course, I'm not in the space as often as others. That's why I wanted to have you on and and kind of talk about this, uh, this great thing that we can do to help people. Um, let's talk next. What does a risk adjustment coder or auditor do? Let's get down to the basics. What does that type of coder or biller or auditor do? For risk adjustment coders, they're specialized with having the thorough understanding of ICD-10 guidelines and coding. And, um, and of course, they're, they need to be fluent and reference their coding clinics and have an understanding of specialized coding rules. That's that's the main focus of them. And then, of course, as that risk adjustment coder does their role, depending on if they work for a physician or university health system or a risk adjustment payer or any type of payer, sometimes there's company guidance and guidelines and rules Um, that are set up. So there's lots of different layers that are involved in being a risk adjustment coder. And and it can all be learned by anyone that wants to do that. And then, of course, 
being a risk adjustment auditor, it's just like a an auditor, whether you do EM or surgical auditing, but you have that layer with the risk adjustment coding guidelines and understanding those rules. Excellent, excellent. And you mentioned those layers, which I like. There are many layers to getting involved in risk adjustment and just in general, so many ways you can get involved. Uh, what are your thoughts? I know you've spoken on this topic before, um, helping coders make a decision on how they, how they can get into the market for risk adjustment or what we call HCC coder jobs. Um, what, do you, what advice would you give to those wanting to get into this? Um, the same parallel is the same advice I give to nurses who get into general nursing or if you want to be a receptionist um, is that I always tell everyone to try that specialty of interest that comes to you first, you know, whether, you know, it's risk adjustment or if it's general surgery, oncology or what have you dive into that, learn that specialty as much as you can take it all in. And then if you want to continue with it, continue with it and just add more knowledge and foundation. So that way you, you have the greatest amount of knowledge and that you can take into yourself to develop personally and then decide if you're going to make a career with it. And if not, you can still take the basics of coding or auditing or being a nurse and you can apply it to a different type of specialty. That's excellent advice. And you know, I've, I've seen so many jobs over the past few years uh, for risk adjustment. And even though it's been around a long time, there are some that are just learning about it. Some just knowing about it recently. So what are some of the benefits of going into risk adjustment as a newly certified coder? Well, um, I'll have to say by being a new coder, when I implemented a risk adjustment program, we, we had two things to deal with. We had the project itself and we had the budget. And then it was trying to figure out, do I take a CPC and who, who is experienced and put them in this role and what we were trying to accomplish with our population health team and our risk adjustment team. And I decided to go with hiring CPCAs because it would be easier to train them. They were new, there, there were no walls, there were no silos and they would follow directions on the project at hand. And that's how it was created for this multi-specialty group that I did. And the, the beauty of it um, from a financial standpoint with the CFO was that the, the budget, we met the budget below the budget actually with um, salaries and compensation. Um, so that, you know, that's one um, impact with talking about that as far as, you know, implementing that. But also, too, when you take into risk adjustment, there are many more positions that are being created and teams. And one of the teams that um, we haven't really been able to give them like a name, like a department or something like that. They're usually referred to as a team. But there's, there's lots of these positions that are being created with risk adjustment, and they're coming out as it's more prevalent now. That's what I've seen, too. I've seen so many recruiters also and, and people in department leads asking me personally, do I have any coders in my network that would benefit? Because they know that I teach the CPC. And so whenever my students graduate and become CPCAs, um, I usually recommend to them to look there. Um, as well as other places. But that's one of the first things I mentioned now because so many departments and 
companies are looking to hire newbies because like you mentioned, they're green and they're easily trainable and they're focused on ICD 10 CM um, and those th that one area that can be a little more focused for them and they can hone their skills in that area, which I think is really great. And so what impact do you think risk adjustment will have in 2022? I will have to say that the impact will be that in the risk adjustment world, the impact is that as science, we are all able to live longer than we ever have. And as we've transitioned into this value-based system, quality and cost are very important to our programs to make us successful. And so managing these patients that have these chronic conditions that need more resources and care management to, to maintain them and monitor them within all the other um, analytics that's involved in taking care of these type of patients, that's, that's the big picture, the big scope of it. And so as, you know, again, as we live longer and science is data-driven and we know that, and also too working with our actuaries with that functionality part of it, that's, that's just the growth of it. And like I've mentioned, um, and even if you look on to LinkedIn or if you look um, on Indeed, job markets, um, Glasshouse, the jobs and risk adjustment for coders and auditors, educators, CDI specialists, you name it, managers, um, it, the potential is just phenomenal. That's what I see as well. And it's one of the main reasons why uh, the, at OncoSpark, the uh, Ozark Institute has decided to put forward a risk adjustment masterclass, which is why um, we've of course asked for your assistance as a subject matter expert. And so we want to talk now about the program itself, some of the benefits of even taking on a program like this, an education program, not only for those that want to become certified in risk adjustment, but really mo mostly for these facilities to keep their employees up to date and keep those policies up to date and making sure their program is efficient. So how can, do you think, a risk adjustment education program do the following things? Reduce errors, coding errors, ensure complete code capture, manage costs and provide high quality of care. How can an education program do that? Let's take the first one. What do you think is impactful with an education program to reduce coding errors? What's the first thing that comes to mind? Well, I would say a risk adjustment education program that is set up for success will allow for the students to be successful because the program will ensure that the coder's accuracy and proficiency is there. Um, they will then educate on proper HCC code abstraction and caution with documentation deficiencies or what we call um, in the industry overarching of coding. And by focusing on coding guidelines, this will enable quality work, which having quality coders doing very good work is very important to high quality care as far as you know, working in the industry as well as providers providing great care for our patients. I completely agree. And then I want to talk a little bit about that complete code capture. So when we think of that term, what does that really relate to in risk adjustment? Well, we want to report these, the complete picture of the patient, that, that true um, active chronic conditions for the patients, you know, every year as early on as possible. Um, the reason we do that is so that way, if we have um, our reporting teams, you know, 
you know, such as Jordan, who's phenomenal in analytics and reporting and such, just like what we get from our more reports and our gap reports, if we have a patient that has a chronic condition that's been there and it should have been reported as it's been documented for 20 years, so that if you're in a full risk um, payer um, agreement where you're being paid per member per month, and if you have not reported all of those active conditions, it's best to do it early on than waiting mid-year. So that way, when you look at the, your reports or you look at your more reports, your gap reports and such, where you're having to do a mid-year bump because the compensation to the provider or the university system, the payer was not correct, you're going to be paid at at the time of the beginning of the year, as opposed to waiting for that compensation, because these patients need more resources and care to manage and take care of them. So why not, you know, report that true clinical picture of that patient early on? Very true. I'm just so appreciative of your insights here. And it makes me just so excited to get this information out to these facilities, out to these uh, individuals who want to learn more about this area of healthcare. That's so important. And organizations, I feel, and talking to some of them when we're coming, bringing them this education for risk adjustment, we find that it's important to evaluate and always try to improve the processes in your department, whatever you happen to be doing, and especially in risk adjustment departments. Um, We think of technology, how that can help. And of course, we know the value-based care is really important. So what are your tips on those, uh, you know, areas that they can do to improve, improve their processes. We're going to talk about that in our course, but what are some reasons why you think it's important to do that? Well, science is data-driven and we all work from reports and that's for any position in any office. This is where Jordan comes into play and he's that beacon of light because he has that thorough understanding of processes and reporting and can interpret that data so that way he's taken the technology that we're using and he's taken the reports from the payers and such, or he can dive into your your practice management systems and and know exactly what it is that we need to make us successful in the value-based error. Absolutely. And of course, you mentioned Jordan. This is Jordan Johnson. He is the chief innovation officer at OncoSpark and we love him and he has helped so much with that data-driven focus um, with technology. And it's we really would be nowhere without uh, people like Jordan. So I wanna shout out to him and the great work that he's doing. And we also have to be able to help you know, individuals, coders and auditors, uh, and those in all areas of healthcare, um, when they're looking at this data, they're abstracting this data, learning how to do that, the abstracting the true health conditions. And we wanna avoid things like we term undercoding and overcoding. Um, what are the implications financially even of undercoding or overcoding? Just some basics that you can think of. Well, first of all, even as you're an HCC coder, you're an HCC auditor, CDI specialist, but especially for your, your coders and your auditors, um, any, any true value successful company payer system is going to audit their staff. So what that means is, is it's just as important for our quality work 
to be done, as well as our audits being very successful and having our high scores. So with that being said, we obviously want our coders to have that great foundation educational you know, program, you know, if they're going into risk adjustment, and that's exactly what we're talking about. So they have decided that they want to either become a risk adjustment coder so they can go into auditing, or they may just want to stay as a coder, or they just want to add that specialty that they have. So by having that great education program that's set up for them, whether it's as you learn or an instructional led, which is great because you're your program offers that, which is phenomenal. You have great instructors, which is so important um, to be able to lean on that instructor when something isn't um, making sense or they need some clarity. And having that foundation is only going to be the, the best foundation for them to grow, learn, and then become subject matter experts themselves and feeling confident. I totally agree. And that's one of the reasons when, when I came across risk adjustment and went down this path, I learned more about it and I dug deeper and I just really became that I love, started to love it. And I loved what it's, what it does and how it really changes the game. And I, of course, I'm a big, have a big love IC10 coding for me. Yes. CPT coding is important. And historically, yes, physicians, that's the driving force, right? Because the RVUs are attached to it. They're thinking money, right? Um, but something that is so incorrectly interpreted is the fact that the IC10 coding is not money driven. It steers the way that reimbursement happens because if you don't have medical necessity, your CPT code, that RVU value means nothing because you're not getting paid for it. Um, you're getting those denials. And if you don't uh, use the right, if you don't document appropriately, you can't use that diagnosis code, which in effect makes your procedure not medically necessary according to the payer standpoint. So that's one of the things when it, I came across risk adjustment, I just couldn't help but think we need more education on this. Um, providers need education. Coders need education. We don't want to, I've seen so many errors in the past taking shortcuts when it comes to coding, especially ICD-10, um, using these encoders, which are very valuable at times, but I am go back, I'm old school. Maybe you are yourself. I like my book and I like to go. I, I use the encoders, but I go first with my book. Absolutely. And when I teach my risk adjustment course more than anything, especially, and even CPC, these are new students that are just learning. I don't want them to do anything else but use their book. But we, of course, educate them what encoders do and, and the, the data that it offers. But when it comes to the actual abstraction, the process of coding, we never want to discount the fact that our books I like to call it my roadmap. And when I tell them, especially in risk adjustment, there are so many ways to get to, maybe there may be several ways to get to the tabular, to get to that code, but the index cannot be bypassed because if you bypass the index, you might be led to the incorrect code assignment. Exactly. Uh, you might be bypassing information that you need in order to get to the right code. Uh, there may be a code first option or a code additional option that the tabular may give you, but I've seen examples where not listening and not looking at the index led me to the wrong code assignment. Um, and that is so important that we capture that data accurately. So that's what we plan on doing. You know, we have, of course, I'll mention some of the topics that we're going to go over. And it's basically a lot of it is 
some of the same topics that you would get from any other risk adjustment program, but we have the added element of data integration and helping you understand your processes better and streamlining your process with technology. But of course, the education comes first. We want to make sure you're educated so you know how to use the tools you have in front of you. We want you to understand we're going to do a complete overhaul. We're going to do a complete from beginning to end, like full course on ICD-10-CM. I find a lot of people that come to me, even if they've tested several years ago, they get rusty and they need that added um, reminder of what basic guidelines are, the coding conventions, the chapter specific guidelines. They need to understand their guidelines when it comes to being an inpatient coder or if they're working for a facility or are they working for an outpatient department? All these little things they forget because they've been doing it so long and they get in their little rut or they get in their, their way of doing things. Um, we're gonna look at the history of risk adjustment. We're gonna back it up, right? And we're gonna talk about how this all started and why, how it evolved over, over several years. Um, the regulatory guidelines, um, like we mentioned, of course, we're gonna talk about HIPAA. We're gonna talk about um, some of those regulatory things that are important. Um, some of those uh, laws and acts that need to be understood from a compliance aspect. I don't know about you, but like every single course I've taken or certification I've achieved, there's always been a compliance lesson. There's always been a compliance element to it. Why do you think compliance is so important? Oh, definitely. And, you know, just to, you know, um, piggyback on what you said, in coding, it, CPT has always been the emphasis, the driving force of, you know, coding, so to speak. And now um, it's ICD-10, which is, which is phenomenal. And risk adjustment, of course, you know, focuses on that, which is important. The other thing, too, with the different types of audits, and of course, you know, the OIG adds many things to their work list. And of course, risk adjustment has been expanded onto that. So, you know, we, they're doing audits on risk adjustment, on behavioral health, then, you know, in the beginning, and they're just adding, you know, to it, you know, there's, there's audits on edits and denials, and it just, it just keeps growing and growing. And, you know, it's, it's not going to stop. And I never realized in the beginning, when I started in HCC coding, that I would ever think of not ever being in the OBGYN career field because I was there for many years. I was a practice administrator, loved it, know it inside and out, really passionate about it, you know, with a couple other specialties. And as I got into risk adjustment and not fully understanding when I was doing the coding aspect, and then as I got into auditing and realizing where we are, is that it's grown exponentially. And now, you know, we have great things that are like compliant audits, you know, which is so interesting. So you can take the CRC course and get that great foundation and you can grow with it as far as you want to go, however way you want to go. For myself, I prefer, you know, I've climbed my career ladder. I would much rather, you know, mentor and share and collaborate with people because it's just phenomenal what is there, you know, all the possibilities that are there for people these days. Absolutely, yes. And it's gonna to continue to grow. We're gonna to have to evolve with it and, and see how it grows and stay up to, up to date, stay compliant with regulatory guidelines. And we're gonna, of course, like I mentioned, we're gonna talk about those uh, internal policies. We want your facilities and you, you as coders 
the facilities you work in, we want you to have a good foundation and a good internal policy so that everyone can be on the same page, so to speak. That's why we have policies. So we create them. And there is, you know, information out there. There are people ask the question, why does this facility have a certain um, policy on this and they don't do things the same way as this facility? And so we'll talk about that in the course as well, why those variances happen. Um, and of course, we all know documentation is so important. And one of my favorite people, Sherry Pobernard, always mm -hmm. says, think in ink. And I always like to cop uh, take that from her and because it's so true. And we see so many physicians that they know what they're doing and, and they, they do have that information in their heads. It's in there. They talk to the patient and they have the information, but it's not getting down on paper. One of my biggest uh, things that I think of, especially when I think of risk adjustment, is I look at um, the predictive modeling and I think, okay, like when you look at something like DME, for instance, you know, the patient is getting this ordered, but the diagnosis doesn't, doesn't justify it. So it's like, you know, they, they ordered this, but the diagnosis is so specific, so like generic, so to speak, that it, it has to be, there has to be some complication there or when they're having the ordering oxygen for them. And it's just a very generic diagnosis, an unspecified one. There has to be some disconnect there because they have to have something else wrong in order to get to that order, right? And so Definitely. we know that. And so that's some of the things we, we have to kind of look at when we dissect our documentation. And we'll, of course, have you as our subject matter expert to help us hone in on these examples of how we can bring that to our physicians and help them see those connections and how it affects uh, not only that patient at this point in time, but it affects them later on. <laughs> it affects that continuity of care when the next provider is looking at them, right? And not right. seeing the full picture. What are some of the ramifications of that that you can think of? Well, the, the ramifications would be that if you're not a fully, if that coder who goes through any, any coding program is not fully knowledgeable, where they understand the different layers that, you know, the compliance of everything that they're doing, um, it can be risky because sometimes we will listen to webinars or we might read a white paper on this or an article on that. And, and there are overarching type um, ways that people are abstracting HCCs and such. So by your program going over all of the components that are necessary to do your job and do it very well to set you up for success, that is very important because no one wants to be subject to making a red flag where they work at where they are in audit. No one wants that. I did Radby audits at one time in my career and um, no one wants that. So we, and again, like I said, you know, having that great foundation, being accurate and proficient and very comfortable and understanding what everything is, not just telling them a small portion, you know, giving them that big picture, just like we're having the clinical picture of the patient giving that big picture to our coders and to the coders as they expand on into auditing or whatever role they want to accept. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And I remember one of the things that for me, um, that really made me think was pharmacology. I didn't take yeah. a pharmacology course whenever I was a coder, never even entered my mind. And the hospital wanted me to get my CRC. I have been, I had been in healthcare and 
a coder for at least 10 years. And so I was like, okay, yeah, I can do that. I love ICD-10. I can handle this. And then when I was going through my course and everything, and I just didn't get it. And I was like, oh my goodness. And I had to research, but I loved it. I was like a, a fish out of water, I felt, but at some point I just felt, I, I just craved it. And I wanted to learn more about pharmacology for some reason. And so that's what I knew it had to be part of the program. Uh, most, a lot of programs out there do include pharmacology. There are some that don't, um, but I wanted to make it part of mine uh, because of course I've got subject matter experts in that area, but I also want to make sure that we understand the disease interaction with medications because that is a huge component of abstraction for risk adjustment. We have to understand that disease interaction. Right, exactly, exactly. And that's great that you are encompassing all the people that are necessary to have a great successful program. That is so important. I'm really excited about it. I, I know it's important to um, go over, of course, all of the financial aspects. Like we, we definitely need to understand all the models, the, the CMS, HEC, those, those, and we have to understand the HHS for the Affordable Care Act. We have to understand Medicaid. We have to understand prescription, all these different models. We have to understand them. And so we'll, we'll go over those things and how it affects um, reimbursement. We're going to go over, like you mentioned, the RADV audits are fun, the fun ones, right? <laughs> the perspective right. and the retrospective audits. We're going to go over all those. And I actually mentioned earlier, but I actually love the predictive modeling. I really think it's fascinating and makes you stop and think um, from a documentation standpoint as well, how important it is um, to improve on documentation because it also helps that. Um, Quality scores. Oh my goodness. There's so much to talk about with quality scores. We could just go on and on <laughs> about right. the quality. Uh, so what it's, are you it's so good that you're going over all the different types of models because sometimes as you start off as a risk adjustment coder and you might focus say, on Medicare Advantage, and sometimes your your employer might add in you know, an HHS model, or say you work in oncology and you have one of the oncology models that's there, some of the family practice ones, and then expanding on to the pharmacology, sometimes you might work in an abstraction for some of the HCCs that have RX HCC values. So that's so important, all those little pieces, and that you incorporate all of that into the program, because there have been times when I've done my, my HCC auditing to CDI work, and then you shift gears, or you're collaborating with a different team, and they want you to do a second look or a second audit. It's amazing, you know, that all of that is necessary. You may not work in those projects, you know, day to day, but you might dive into them periodically. And then if the opportunity comes about and you find, you know, I really enjoy you know, doing HCC auditing, then you can go with it. Absolutely, absolutely. And one of the main components that um, will be offered, very basic, but we do hope that most students that come, um, those that work in facility, do have a basic understanding of anatomy and medical terminology. That's kind of basic. I mean, most of us who went through a course did have to do that, but we all need to brush up every once in a while. So we will have some um, information for you on anatomy and terminology to keep your brain fresh and alive on that. Um, on that front. Um, but I think this is going to be a great course. It's going to be a lot of great information um, to really get to the heart of the matter, to get to what we need to focus on, um, to get that reimbursement, but to make sure it's, it's quality and that it's accurate. 
uh, and that all of the areas of healthcare um, can benefit from our role in it. Um, so we're going to bring subject matter experts like yourself and others into the mix, and we're so excited to have you join us. Uh, so uh, we'll, of course, have more information as it comes out. We are looking at mid-February to launch this course, so if you're interested in this, please reach out. Uh, my email is in the show notes, uh, and you can reach out to me on LinkedIn as well. I'll provide that information for you as well. And please keep listening to the show and supporting us here at Life as a Coder. Thank you, Barbara, for joining us today. It was a pleasure to, to talk to you and to, to uh, get to know you a little better. Well, thank you. I'm so grateful. And, you know, I'm looking forward to how well the program is going to be because, Jennifer, you do so much, you know, in the industry for us coders in healthcare. And it's phenomenal, you know, from your education, your, your presenting, you know, at the summits and the conferences to bringing great people, you know, so I, I applaud you for what you do. And especially with us all working in a lot of virtual environments where things are, um, have been compromised, so to speak, you, you have so much that you offer that allows a lot of us to work and provide for our families. So thank you so much. Well, you are very welcome. And I thank you for that, that nice uh, comment there. And um, we look forward to working together with you more. And uh, we will, of course, keep you all updated on as this, of course, progresses. And we look forward to seeing many of you uh, in our class in 2022. Thanks for joining the Life as a Coder podcast. Please feel free to rate or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate that effort. It helps us share the show with other healthcare professionals just like you. Join us next Wednesday for another episode. We'll catch you then.